BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Five months have passed since Hamas brutally attacked Israel, launching a vicious war for Israel's very survival. As Israel fights for her existence, so many people around the world, even in America, Israel's greatest ally, have turned their backs on the Israeli people right when they need friends the most. Friends like us. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is on the ground in Israel, delivering critically needed emergency supplies to those suffering right now. There is an immediate need for essentials like food, medicine, and emergency supplies for hundreds of thousands of suffering Jews. Many cannot return to their homes because of rocket fire in the north from Hezbollah. Israel is in desperate need, and that's why I'm partnering with the fellowship today. Every donation is urgently needed. To give to IFCJ, visit supportifcj.org. That's one word supportifcj.org your gift will be matched to double in impact and help provide twice the support supportifcj.org god bless and thank you if you are an accredited investor u.s oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio visit labradorenergy.com beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns when you invest with labrador energy you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income according to many sources u.s oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax advantaged income investments available visit labradorenergy.com you may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. On The Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good-looking young lady, 
She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Did ask Dr. Jesse Friday. It's gonna be such a great day today. Are you ready? Are you ready? 877-377-4373. The Jesse Kelly show will somehow take our already criminally, criminally low standards and lower them. We're lowering the bar today, Chris. <laughs> Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You can call still. You can email your questions. We have, well, somebody wants to know if we'd be better off with the mafia. Somebody wants to know which politician I would eliminate if I could. We have animal fights, women's flats. It's, uh, it's going to be quite a day. It's going to be quite a day. But first, it's time for us to go back in history a little bit, as we do on this show. We are going to do World War I today. We're going to do the end of Austria-Hungary today. Now, I do have to set the whole thing up for the relatively new people or people a little bit rusty on World War I. I geek out on World War I. In my opinion, and this is purely an opinion, do not take this as a fact, kids. I think it is more consequential for how it changed the entire world than World War II. Horrible, horrible fighting. It shifted the economic center of the world from Britain to here. It really caused the rise of communism in Russia and everything that is meant. I just, I, I say it's the most consequential war in history. Be that as it may. Boom, war starts. And remember how the war began. Even though this is not that story. The war began, Austria-Hungary, Serbia. There's a <clears throat> tension there, to put it mildly. A Serb assassinates the head of Austria-Hungary, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, and his wife. Boom. Austria-Hungary's furious. They tell Serbia, uh, basically, you need to bow your head and kiss our feet till the end of time. Serbia says, I can't do that, Russia. Are you going to let them talk to us like that? Russia says, no, I won't. Russia or Austria-Hungary then looks to Germany and says, are you going to let Russia talk to us like that? They say, no, I won't. And boom, soon we have a world war on our hands. But we're not talking about that today. Remember, though, the, this is what we're talking about today, Russia during World War I. 
when Germany invaded France. Right off the bat, remember they go swinging through Belgium, storming into France. Germany was well aware, well aware. It's called the Schlieffen Plan. You'll hear this endlessly if you if you ever do any reading on World War One. The Schlieffen Plan was, let's basically put all of our troops into France, smash through France quickly, get France to surrender because we have to get France out of the war before the notoriously slow Russians join the war and sandwich us on the other side. It was the big concern. And, well, to their credit, Russia, keep in mind, Russia was run by the Tsar at this point, Tsar Nicholas II. They, they had had like a 300-year reign, their family, in Russia at this time. Russia, to their credit, mobilized troops a lot faster than Germany thought they were going to be able to. So Germany couldn't give quite as many troops to their French offensive as they wanted. A lot of people say that's where the war was lost for Germany. They had to send some guys to the east to take on the Russians. That was the beginning of the war. And so much of the war, I mean, World War I and World War II both share this. So much of the war was, we're almost through here. We've almost won here. We could win here, except somebody's hitting us over here, and I have to take some vital troops from this place and take them over to this place. And actually, it's exactly what happened in our story today. But we're we're not going to focus on the beginning of the war. Just know, as the war went along, the basic theme was this. The Germans, probably the best army in the whole war. Uh, the German, uh, a lot of people argue the German army in World War I was the greatest army of all time. I mean, they were phenomenal. Chris is one of them. Uh, and look, it's not a dumb argument, surprisingly for Chris, but it's not a dumb argument. France fighting like lions in World War I. The whole French army or a bunch of weaklings thing, that came after World War II. The Fr- France's military history is pretty cool, very cool. Britain acquitting itself very well. This is another story of the war. Well-trained troops, brave troops, of course, superior navy, which went a long way to choking off Germany. But there are other stories to the war. The Italians. The Italians, well, they're just not very good in World War I either. They're getting slapped around the entire time. The Italians are on the side of the Allies. They're on France, Britain, you know, later our side. They're they're terrible. The Austria-Hungarians, you know, the ones who kind of started the whole thing? Embarrassing. I mean, embarrassingly bad. Embarrassingly bad. They did some good fighting in the Alps against the Italians, but for the most part, they got crushed. Germany famously said, I think it was... uh, Eric Ludendorff, who said this, he's a German general, said, we're fettered to a corpse. They're constantly having to bail out the Austria-Hungarians and the Russians. The Russians were very brave, very willing, to their credit, just not very good. Their leadership was dreadful. 
Russia, you know how big Russia is. I mean, a lot of it can be explained by supply. If you just look at a map, we forget how huge Russia is. But they were trying offensives all the time, and they couldn't get enough supplies ever to their troops. Their troops never had enough artillery shells, ammo, medical supplies, food. They just could never supply their guys well. Their generals were terrible. It, it just, they were the end, they were at the end of their empire. Remember, the communist revolution happens short a, shortly after our story today, where the whole empire falls and the dirty commies take over. But Russia just kept trying and kept trying and kept losing. I, mean, I just talked to you about the beginning of the war when Germany had to send some troops to the east because Russia got there faster. We've done a story on that before. I'll do one again. But, yeah, they got there faster and got wiped out. Not one army, but two of them. We're talking 100,000-man armies, both of them, gone, annihilated. And this was not uncommon for Russia. They would send gigantic armies up against Germany and just get crushed. Just get crushed every time. Which brings us to really our part of the story here. We're, it's getting late in the war. And Austria tried to, to make their way into Russian Poland. They have some initial success because, I mean, like I said, the Russians weren't very good either. But then the, the Russians, you know, wake up as, as they do sometimes and slap the Austrians around. Germany, once again, is, has to come in for help. They do come in for help, and they run the Russians out of Poland. Boom. Done. Now, the guy who got run out of Poland kind of got a bad rap. This happens with the broken system. We're going to talk about him. And should the mafia still be running things? Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. I need to take better care of myself. That is not exactly news to you. You listen to the show, you know I need to take better care of myself. Now, I'm not a lazy slob. I work out semi-regularly. I try to eat a little better at least once or twice a week. Trying to, trying to do these small steps. But I know I have to take care of my heart. I, I just have to. Otherwise, I'd never, I'd never eat well. I'd never work out. How could I not take the easiest step in the world to take care of my heart? Super Beats. Two Super Beats heart chews per day help me take care of my heart, help me take care of my blood pressure. I, I, I want to be there when I have grandkids one day. I'm going to be there. So I'm going to eat Super Beats. You can get them too. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That actually gets you two free 30-day supply. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome.
Chuck is doing what he's doing is people are sitting at home getting the checks from the government, okay? And this fair share is a concept. It's just a way of attacking wealthy people. And, you know, I think it's inappropriate. We all got to work together and pull together. <laughs> That's one of the billionaires from the hedge fund guys. One of the billionaire hedge fund guys not happy about all that GameStop stuff. <laughs> uh, yes, we haven't asked Dr. Jesse question about that as well. Anyway, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Kelly DC. I'm on Facebook too. I will be kicked off all three very shortly. Now, remember the Germans come in to help the Austrians in Poland trying to run the Russians out. They do run the Russians out. And there was a guy in charge of the Russian army. His name was Grand Duke Nicholas. He tactically retreated from Poland. He had to. He had no chance against the German army there. I can't stress this enough. No chance whatsoever. He saved 100,000 lives by the way he got them out of Russia. But systems. Systems, once they're broken, like ours is broken, systems don't know how to reward success. They don't know how to punish real failure. In fact, once a system gets broken enough, a system rewards failure and punishes success. Grand Duke Nicholas saved 100,000 men's lives. Grand Duke Nicholas was promptly fired for his trouble. Now, this brings us to the part of our story. Once you fire Grand Duke Nicholas... There aren't a ton of people to take charge. So the czar, Nicholas II, chooses to leave a very disgruntled capital, a disgruntled country, and go take command. A complete disaster on two different fronts. One, the people of his country are rebelling all over the place. There are strikes The strikes are being put down violently, which is creating more strikes. His leadership is needed back on the home front. One, two, he doesn't have any idea what he's doing taking command. I mean, he's not completely unaware of military matters, but he's no general of all these armies. Completely, completely unprepared for the role. Now. Pause here for a moment. See, it's hard because you have to bounce around a little bit to understand why things are working the way they're working. Verdun. Remember Verdun. We've talked about Verdun before. If you missed it, we will do it again because it's such a huge battle. Verdun was this treasured historic place in France. Germany set up this humongous attack there, and their plan was simply to draw the French in, and then murder as many of them as possible, trying to break France and run France out of the war. If France gets out of the war, at that point in time, Germany probably wins World War I. Do just, I want you to ponder on that as we tell the rest of our story, because our story is very much going to be linked to Verdun. 
Think what the world looks like if Germany wins World War I. There's no Hitler. There's no World War II. There's the, the, it, it's crazy, right? It's crazy to think about this alternative history stuff. But Verdun kicks off. Now, this is between France and Germany. France starts telling its allies, because all the allies, Russia, France, Britain, they all had an agreement. Nobody can get out of the war. We are in the war together. We will get out of the war together. But, you know, agreements only last for so long. France starts telling Britain, you need to attack somewhere to get these Germans off of us or we're done. We're going to be out of this thing. And they start telling Russia the same thing. Russia, you have got to attack somewhere, anywhere. Get, pull some of these Germans out of here or we're going to be done. The Russians promptly do attack and surprise, surprise, get slaughtered again. Another 100,000 men. Now we're at the point in the war. Remember I just talked to you about all the turmoil back home in Russia? The fact that they had lost 5 million men by this point in the war was adding a lot to that. 5 million men. In the history of the United States of America, all of our battlefield deaths combined equals about 1.5 million. Russia had lost 5 million men in like two years. That kind of staggering loss of life and all your young men, I mean, that's who you build a society on with all due respect to everybody else. That It is. Ouch. I mean, what, the, the, the nation is dying. Now, that's going on. The Austrians choose to attack the Italians. The Allies ask Russia once again, please attack the Austrians. If you're not going to attack the Germans anymore right now, they're still killing us in Verdun. At least attack the Austrians so they don't finish off the Italians and then expose our underbelly. Russia, you know, it's run by the Tsar, but it had terrible leadership, and the generals would often unless they were given a direct order from the czar, would do their own thing. It wasn't one of these things, we're all in this together, guys. They hated each other sometimes. Now, they wouldn't refuse the czar if he told them, but he would have to tell them and tell them specifically. The Allies begged the Russians to attack the Austrians, and each and every single general in Russia says, no, absolutely not. We are tired of attacking people just to help you. Every time we do this, we get further away from our supply lines and we lose. We've never once in the war, and they really hadn't, they've never once been able to attack on their own terms. Each and every attack was to save France here, to save these guys there, to save these guys there. So all the generals say no, except for one. One man steps up. His name was Alexei Brusilov. I think it's Brusilov, and I'm sure I said his first name wrong, but I'm an American. Alexei Brusilov is a general. He steps up and says, oh, yeah, I think we should. I think we should go after these Austrians. The czar, Nicholas II, chooses to ignore every other general and agree with Brusilov, who says, yeah, we're going to go after these guys. 
And I give Brusilov a lot of credit because he did something you and I are going to have to start doing a lot more of now that we're in this situation in the country. He said the uncomfortable things. He said real truths that everybody else didn't want to say. And he knew. He knew he was going to be despised by everybody around him for saying these truths. You see, people will, especially in a broken system, people will just mutually agree on a lie. Uh, we're all just going to agree the sky is green, right? The sky's green? I say the sky's green. The sky's green here. So the sky's green. The one guy who steps up and says the sky is blue, he's ostracized. He's tossed out. That's the truth. And you're going to have to get comfortable with that. And that's what Brusilov said. No, no, we have to attack. We absolutely have to attack. So the czar agrees with him, and the other generals hate Brusilov for this. They hate him for speaking the truth when they lied. They hate that the czar listened to him and didn't listen to them. Jealousy abounded. And this jealousy would eventually doom all of Russia. We will get to that in just a moment. And, wow, should you keep watching football? Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. For the first time, we have what I'm told is the first video, uh, exclusive video, out of this meeting today uh, between McCarthy and Trump. Uh, we'll watch it and react on the other side. I love you. You complete me. And I just had... Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. That is, uh, obviously, we have rolled the wrong clip, and we were we were sold a bill of goods here. I thought this was going to be of the uh, McCarthy and Trump meeting, and someone's going to be, of course, in big trouble. <laughs> oh, that was on MSNBC. And obviously some producers snuck in the Jerry Maguire clip when they thought they were rolling to, to uh, McCarthy and Trump. That's one, absolutely hilarious. Two, the producer is going to get fired because three, 
I don't know who the host was. Chris, who was the host? Dude, don't be such a stick in the mud, bro. That's hilarious. Why do people... It was Brian Williams? Of course. Dude, these people. These people. This is... I can't tell you how often I run into this. On both sides of the aisle in, in radio. It's not as bad in radio. But definitely in TV... Because, you know, I have my TV show, too. It's on the first every night, 9 p.m. Eastern. People in TV take themselves so seriously. And I I don't know what it is because I'm such an arrogant jerk. Like, this should be me, too. But they're sure what they're doing is very, very important. It's very important. I have... I am, I'm saving America. They, they take themselves so seriously. That's why you get all these uh, behind-the-scenes videos people shoot now. You, you've all seen them where, where they bust the TV, the TV guy screaming at his producers or something like that. Hey, idiots. Hey, they're, they're cussing people out. It, it's baffling to me. Who talks to other people this way and who... Who takes themselves that seriously? I, I do t- When I do TV, I don't have a teleprompter or a script or writers or anything. I just get on there and talk. And so, I mean, like radio, you, you listen. I'm going to mess up words. I'm, and I'm uneducated anyway. And when you talk that much, you're going to mess up words or a sentence or something's not going to come out, right? It's just the way it is. Um, it's okay to laugh at yourself, bro. It, it really is. But they take themselves so seriously. That... Is hilarious. Whoever that producer, play that again, Chris. That's hilarious. For the first time, we have what I'm told is the first video, uh, exclusive video out of this meeting today uh, between McCarthy and Trump. Uh, we'll watch it and react on the other side. I love you. You complete me. I'm up just. Just shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. That is, uh, (laughs) obviously, we have rolled the wrong. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. All right. All right. Sorry. We got to get back to our history story. I can't, I can't lose focus here, but that's, that's, that's hilarious. All right. Now. Alexei Brusilov, he says he'll go fight. The Tsar Nicholas II says, absolutely, let's go fight. You go, go take it to those Austrians. The other generals, because there's so much jealousy, they won't help. We're not used to that here in America. The other generals won't give him artillery. They won't give him supplies. And remember this. When it comes to artillery, because we talk a lot about that in, in all wars, but World War I was really the artillery war. Artillery can be a double-edged sword. You see, it's nice. It's important. They have it. You have to have it. It's, it's nice. But picture somebody dug in to an area, you know, trenches and such. You know, you, you can picture World War I in your mind. And you choose to blow them out of those positions with artillery. Okay, fine. But at some point, you have to run men up into there and occupy that area or you didn't take it. You didn't win. 
Well, artillery absolutely destroys everything, including the ground. You can artillery some area so badly that, yeah, you destroy a lot of the enemy, but you've essentially created a hellscape for your men to try to run through. And those gigantic holes in the ground you've made, dirt churned up everywhere, um, they're not solid rock. They're soil. There's something called, what's that word? Rain. And there's a water table. The craters routinely fill with water. Do you know how many men in World War I died because they fell into a crater full of water and they drowned? Lots of them. And I mean, the stories of that are on every front. It was all over the place. So artillery can burn you. It can. Which is good because Brusilov didn't have very much of it. So he comes up with a new plan. And it was, well, it was genius. And it, it frankly changed the entire rest of the war. His plan was this. It let, hey, instead of amassing troops in one long line and just plodding across the ground like idiots, why don't we take smaller units, we train them with specialty training, we give them you know, special equipment, and we have them focus on smaller, specific objectives. So we don't just line up our men and run into a general area trying to take it. We take these 20 guys, these 50 guys, you, go take that machine gun nest. Go. It had not been done before. It sounds simple, but that's not how people did combat back then. Brusilov was really the guy who came up with it, and he does it against the Austrians, and it works like a charm. It not only works, it frankly works too well. He blows the Austrians off the line, tears through the line, and all of World War I was these guys, was these countries trying to break through enemy lines and pretty much never doing it. Or if you did, it was very, very temporary. Well, Brusilov is finally the man with his specialty units and his not enough artillery and everything else. He blows through the Austrians, and he's free and clear. And he does what any smart general would do. He keeps moving forward and keeps moving forward fast. Now, he's not a moron. Part of what will burn you in combat if you break through somebody's lines is if you move fast, but if you move too fast for your supplies to keep up with you. Remember, these are not little pins on a map, they're not robots. This army consists of men, men who need to eat. Sleep, water, medical supplies, bullets, the logistics of war are everything. He blows through and immediately turns around as he gets through and tells the czar and tells the other generals, okay, I'm through. Uh, I know you're mad at me. I need stuff now. Send me stuff right now. But remember what the other generals were feeling about Brusilov being the general the czar listened to. The other generals said, no, actually, I like my stuff. I think I'll hang on to it. In the meantime, Brusilov is advancing and advancing, and he's expecting help to come. Oh, and the Austrians who lost, they made that phone call to Germany. Hey, the Russians blew through us. Come down here and help. 
How did this change World War One? Hang in a second. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'm going to wrap this up here right about now because the Ask Dr. Jesse questions are awesome and there are a ton of them and it's, gosh, it's going to be a fun day. I love this show. Remember, Fridays, we have fun here. We have fun on Fridays. It's Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. You send in your questions. They don't have to be political. They can be. We obviously get a bunch of those, but that's fine too. But there's enough bad news throughout the week. We have fun here on Fridays. Back to our story as we wrap it up. Brusilov breaks through. He's tearing through them. The Germans are now coming to help. They're on the way. Brusilov is begging his other generals to give him help. They will not do it. The situation gets so so dire, the Tsar actually orders the other generals, yes, you will, start sending him help. But by then, it's just, it's just too late. The Germans finally get there. The Germans set up a line, reinforce it. Those... Wonderful Russians who had broken through the Austrians, had so much success, run out of stuff, run out of steam, and in the end, massacred. One million of them. Gone. Gone. This is known as the Brusilov Offensive. It went a long way to completely ending Russia's faith in the czar at all. I mean, remember, like I said, they had already lost 5 million. You throw another million on top of it, it was was too much. But, but, in the end, it lost. In the end, it, I mean, frankly, it cost Russia everything. But, 
those Germans that came to help, they came from somewhere. They came from Verdun. They came from Verdun at a time where France was a breath away from breaking and losing and getting out of the war. The Brusilov offensive that ended in disaster for Alexei Brusilov and his troops might have saved the world. Keep this in mind. I'm not telling you you're going to have to go fight in the trenches somewhere. But because of the odds we face right now in America, how broken and diseased and corrupted the system is, we are going to lose a lot of battles, a lot of them. That doesn't mean they're not worth fighting. You may not even see the positive results of the, of the battle you fought and lost in your lifetime. That doesn't mean they're not worth fighting. When I say things to you, and people have been emailing me more often about this, and I love it, but I s- tell you to run for local office, school board, city council, mayor, state house, state senate, governor, I don't care. I am not sitting here you know, blowing sunshine up your you-know-what, telling you you're all going to win and it'll be fun and we're going to change it. I'm not telling you that. You're not. Lots of you are going to lose. And let me tell you something. I've run for office twice, U.S. Congress twice. You know that story already. That is not a great feeling when you finally get word on election night, you lost. We're not going to do it. And you have to step up and you have to pull yourself together like a man or a woman, keep your head high, walk past all those people who volunteered for your campaign, who cheered for you, and stand in front of them and say, we lost. It hurts. It hurts. Not so much for you, but for them that they believe in you and they were going for it. It hurts. That doesn't mean it's not necessary. It's very, very necessary. What can you do to save America? I don't know. I don't know that America can be saved. But I bet you your town can. I bet you your state can. There are things you can do that don't involve giving up. And there are things you can do oftentimes that don't involve winning. Sometimes it involves losing, and that's okay. It's okay. Go out there and make the enemy feel pain. There's value in that. It inspires other people. It lets the enemy know he's got a fight on his hands. You take these commies and you start taking the fight to them. Start challenging them in ways they've never been challenged. So many of these guys are sitting there in these comfortable seats, and they think they'll be there forever. Let them know you've got your eyes on it. Let them know you're coming. There's value there. All right. It's time to have some fun. It's Ask Dr. Jesse time. Which unit 
would I choose to serve in in World War II? Yikes. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Gosh, this show is so much fun. Chris just gave me some information on uh, the download numbers. Because remember, every show is podcasted after the show. It's obviously a nationally syndicated show, but they put podcasts up on iHeart and Google and Spotify and iTunes. Remember, on iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review discussing how handsome I am. But apparently we're just shattering all our records on downloads now. <laughs> we're getting as many in a month as we used to get in a year. What's wrong with you people? Dr. Jesse, the date is June 1st, 1940. You were 18. You have the option of choosing any service and any MOS to fight in the war you know is coming. What would you choose? Would you choose a desk job, marine grunt, fighter pilot, etc.? Cheers. Ooh, boy. Okay. Let's talk about that. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I will get to my... MOS choice in World War II here in just a second. I, I'll be honest, I'm still kind of agonizing over the whole thing. <laughs> I can't decide. But first, first, I want to give a special shout out. I saw this TV clip last night. I thought it was 
extremely appropriate for everything we're facing today. I, I, I saw it, and honestly, I found myself actually nodding my head as I watched it. I just I agree with everything this guy says here. So please, without further ado, play it for me, Chris. This social justice, racial justice, cultural Marxist garbage, everything's racist and sexist and all these other things. This is communism. You don't see it because they don't use the same words that Lenin and Stalin used, but it's called cultural Marxism, and it's infecting this entire society. Whenever you hear people talking like this, talking like Joe Biden talks, then you know that's what it is. I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Okay, he doesn't, he doesn't believe that. It doesn't matter. They figured it out. The Russia, the Soviets figured it out a long time ago. Nobody is allowed to talk about this. They figured out a long time ago. Wait a minute. Americans are really sensitive to this racist thing. We can absolutely use that to worm our way through everything we want. And they did it. And they did it. You have pastors now preaching it from the pulpit. I left my own church about a, about a year ago after St. George Floyd was killed. Pastor gets right up, starts talking about white privilege. I have white privilege. Ah, peace. See ya. Never be back. It's everywhere now. It's everywhere. They can't bring themselves to stop doing it because it's so good, especially for the Democratic Party. It's so good for them. Every time they get you miserable and divided and fighting each over, uh, other over stupid things like skin color, they gain more power every single time. They can't even criticize the domestic terrorist group, Black Lives Matter. No one can tell me that if had been a group of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, there wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently than the mob of thugs that stormed the Capitol. We all, we all know that's true. And it is unacceptable, totally unacceptable. Why do you think they do it? Why do you think they're constantly picking at the scab and picking at the scab and picking at the scab? And these old rich white people don't care about black people. Why do you think they do it? Because they know the more we're miserable and divided, the more we won't realize they're the ones that are screwing over the entire country. They never stop. And look, it would be one thing if this was just so they could win a congressional seat or even the presidential election, that's fine. But back to what I was talking about in the beginning, no, this, this infection doesn't stop until you stop it. It's in your FBI, it's in your military, and it's destroying us. And you're not going to know how bad it is until it's way, way too late. You remember what he talked about when he, when he talked about George Floyd the other day? Those uh, eight minutes and 46 seconds that took George Floyd's life opened the eyes of millions of Americans and millions of people around all over the world. It was the knee on the neck of justice, and it wouldn't be forgotten. It stirred the conscious and of uh, tens of millions of Americans. And in my view, it marked a turning point in this country's attitude toward racial justice. Racial justice. And you know what's so sad? What's so sad is so many people have been taught this for so long. I call them communists, and they come back. I'm not a communist. They don't even know what they are. They don't realize it. They've just been told their entire lives, you're a victim or you're an oppressor, or this is divided or America's racist, and they don't realize they've just become a tool to give the left more power. Oh, that is so well said.
All right. What MOS would I pick? Well, here's the thing. I'm out on the Air Force stuff. And no, it's not because I want to make fun of Air Force guys, which I do on, well, on occasion. Dude, that bomber stuff, the the fighter pilot stuff, those guys took a beating in World War II. An absolute beating. The casualty rate was so absurd. I don't want to make up a number here, but I want to say something like 50% when they were over Germany. Remember, the 8th Air Force, they were the guys doing the, the, the bombing of Germany. They lost more men than the entire United States Marine Corps in World War II. I mean, so I'm out on that. I can't do a desk job. I wouldn't feel right doing a desk job. I wouldn't. At the same time, my heart's always going to be in the Marine Corps. Man, I did not want, I would not have wanted to fight in the Pacific. I would not have wanted to fight in the Pacific. We've talked about it before. we'll, We'll talk about it again. The way the Japanese fought. Their mentality, fight to the last man, um, the things they would do to our guys they captured. Uh, I heard a story the other day, absolutely horrible story, about one of the Marine Raiders who got captured, and they tied him face down over a log and killed him in a really bad way with a bayonet. And then, and then they would do things like they would write notes on the bodies bragging to the to his friends about like how much pain he went through i mean it it messed with guys minds so bad the war in the pacific messed with guys minds so bad man I, i'd say europe i'd say europe it's not like it was a cakewalk fighting the germans i don't want to act like that at all but that kind of hatred was never there plus european chicks what, Chris? What's wrong with European chicks? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Italian women, Chris, as long as they shave their beard. Oh, quit. We can make jokes on the show. We're fine. All right. Dear, or Dr. Shogun Jesse, I have a theory regarding the mafia in America, and I want your take on it. Without going down too much of a rabbit hole, do you think that if the mafia in the United States regained power like it had in the 1900s, they could help change our culture for the better? My theories on this center around tight family bonds, traditional roles of men and women, and the power of organized crime to front the system, for example, prohibition. I don't think I know quite as much about the mafia as you, so I wanted your thoughts. Look, I'm a dude, so I love mafia stuff. You've heard me do how many mafia shows or cartel shows or Russian mob boss shows. I just thought I'm a dude. I like that stuff. Ooh, I do need to do another Russian one, don't I? However, let's not over-glorify how bad or, or what these guys were for the most part. Now, yes, there is, it is true They would protect their own communities a lot of the time. Their own communities were relatively free of street crime, things like that. 
there is a story. Oh, what is his name? Frank Calabrese Jr. I think he's still alive, and I think he's still giving mafia tours in Chicago. But Frank Calabrese Jr., his father, I, I think his father was Frank Calabrese Sr., but it might have been his grandfather. Either way, his father was a mobster with the Chicago Mafia. It was known as the Outfit. That's what they called it. The Chicago Mafia is mega big, mega powerful, mega violent. Mega violent. What, Chris? Are you looking him up right now? Oh, yeah, he's a bad man. He's a bad man. Frank Calabrese was, you know, dabbling in that Mafia stuff, too. Eventually got out, changed his life, that kind of thing. But he, he tells a story, Frank Calabrese Jr., about his father coming home one day you know, he says, he, I mean, at least as a kid, he thought he had a good dad. But he tells a story about his father came home one day and would just go and tell him about the things he had done. And you know what Frank Calabrese Jr.'s father came home and told him he'd just done one day? I'll tell you in just a second. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Super Beats Heart Chews taste good. And that may sound like a, a small, childish way to talk about something that really is so good for your health. But look, I'll admit, I only like to eat things that taste good. I don't eat a lot of vegetables. I think they're disgusting. I, I can't help that. And when I found out about Super Beets, I found out, you know, they're food derived and how great they are for my heart and my blood pressure. I thought, oh, okay, well, that's nice, but I'm not eating anything that tastes like beets. I, I'm just not. Beets are disgusting. I would never eat them. But Super Beets figured it out. You see, I enjoy my super beets. I eat two every single day at dinner time, and it's like I'm eating dessert. It's two little fruit snacks, and they're good for me. Yeah, it's that easy. Go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. That's getsuperbeats.com slash jesse for two free 30-day supplies. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Frank Calabrese Jr. I think he said he was ten or eleven at the time. His father comes home, looks all amped up on adrenaline, takes his young son in the other room, and explains, "You know how I told you, we don't allow drug dealing in this neighborhood. Just had to go shotgun two guys to death." right here in the neighborhood with a friend of mine. So, yeah, there was some of that as far as neighborhood cleanup goes. But, no, we don't want organized crime back. I mean, half the time they preyed on their own people as much as they protected others. I get what you're saying about traditional roles for men and women, and, and that's a valuable part of the culture to take back. And I agree with you. I'm not arguing with you on that. But, no. These, these are not good people. <laughs> these are not. These are not good people. Great to watch movies about. 
fun to do a history story on on the Jesse Kelly show. You, you don't want these people in charge. You do not want these people in charge. Now, this one I found interesting. Uh, this is from Herr Uber Doctor. Uh, he's talking about the Packers and whatnot. And then he says, question. Lately, you've been telling many stories of courage and sacrifice from people fighting communism throughout history. What does it say about most of the American right that we can't even stop watching football games when they are active when they are actively promoting causes that are causing our side to lose the culture war? And he says, addendum, as a former football addict, I would encourage any of your listeners to just give it up. I have found many more positive and productive things to do with my time. I think this is exactly what they don't want people figuring out. Here is here's the thing. As you know, I've talked about it before. I have given it up. I'm a football freak. I am a football freak. There were times, like I said, I would go get my work done, and I would take eight, nine hours on a Sunday. I'd get a 12-pack of beer, pizza. Like, I, I would I would prepare. I'm at the grocery store getting food, getting some beer, Maybe inviting a buddy over. Sometimes not even inviting a buddy over. By myself, eight, nine hours of football just all day. I'm just being a fat, lazy turd all day. And this was not something I did once. This is something I did a lot. That's how much I love football. I mean, there, there was a time I could name you, like, the entire roster of the New York Giants who are my favorite team. I love football. I have not watched a single play this year. Uh, that Black Lives Matter crap, dumping on the flag, dumping on cops, dumping on everything. I'm done supporting that. Last week, uh, Tom Brady played uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I think the week before, Tom Brady played Drew Brees. All legendary Hall of Fame quarterbacks. These are, that's must-see TV. And my sister, my older sister, is a football freak, too. And she keeps texting me back and forth. She's like, are you going to watch? I want to watch so bad. And I said, no, I want to watch so bad too. And I did. I wanted to watch so bad. And and I think the Super Bowl is this weekend or next weekend. And it's Tom Brady, greatest of all time, against Patrick Mahomes, the greatest today. I mean, it's, it's legendary. It's must-see TV. You must watch it. And I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I'm not telling you that. To act like I'm some special thing or doing something extra. But I will tell you. Fighting the culture war. Has got to be more purposeful for all of us, including me. Than it has been. And. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. It's not comfortable to fight culture wars. It's not. I'm not telling. Look, I have chosen to give it up. I've told you why I've chosen to give it up. I don't. I try not to tell you how to live your life. Lord knows, I don't know how to live my own. I've chosen to give it up. I, I I'm done funding the people who hate me. I want these corporations who've gone so hard left that they're helping trash the United States of America that I love. I want them to feel the pain of not having the same amount of customers anymore. I hope that will wake them up. And 
Look, the, the truth is, if we're being honest, look, I, I, I might as well just be honest about it. I wasn't going to do this. The truth is he's absolutely right. We couldn't stop watching football for more than a week. I think the right boycotted the NFL for like a week. The week one or two, their ratings were down. Boom, right back up. Everyone turned the TV right back on. People, again, I'm not telling you what to do. But the communists, they eat, sleep, and breathe destroying everything you love. They live. It's all they think about is how to wreck the next thing you love. That's why they've wrecked so much of what you love. That's how committed they are. I'm not telling you to be that committed because it's a really unhealthy place to get to mentally. But I am telling you this. I promise you're going to have to engage in some way or we have already lost. We've already lost. If you want to watch the Super Bowl, man, I can't tell you not to watch the Super Bowl. It's Tom Brady versus Patrick Patrick Mahomes. How could I ever tell you that? How could I ever tell you that? I want to watch two so bad. I'm not judging you for it. I'm not doing it, though. Is that a tiny little thing? One dude not watching the Super Bowl? Oh, what's that going to change? Well, probably nothing. But what if one dude turns into three? Turns into five? Turns into 100? What if... What if this thing gains some steam? What if it turns into 100,000? What if it turns into a million? That's not unheard of. That's how movements start. That's how these things start. If we're not willing to be more purposeful with how we live our lives, then we're not going to win. With what you consume. And, and, and I don't like it either that that's where we are. I, I'm unhappy that I have to worry about what, uh, what actor am I funding? What, what football game am I watching? And believe me, I'm, I'm the biggest failure in the world at this. I, I've, I've seen every Avenger movie with my kids in the theater. All those people are communist nutjobs. I'm a failure at it too. I can't emphasize that enough. I'm trying to do better. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do more. I'm trying to do better. I think we have to be more purposeful. That's all. That's all. Dear Dr. Jesse. Oh, by the way, what's it say about the right? That was really his question. What does it say about the right? It says we don't know what we're up against yet. The right, I mean, the people you know on the right, they're obviously much more aware than people on the left or than people who don't care, but they're not fully aware yet of exactly how much trouble we're in. The standard voting Republican person does not realize what's happening and how fast it's happening and how much trouble we're in. They just do not. They do not. I am fighting this fight with more desperation than most people. Why? Because I think these are desperate times. I do. I absolutely do. Dear Dr. Jesse, king of the katana, Chris, sultan of the sombrero and all-around steely shogun, if you could eliminate just one U.S. politician right now, and she says, I don't mean eliminate Godfather style, who would it be and why? Keep on providing us all awesomeness on the airwaves. Hmm. Eliminate one. Ooh, I know who. Hang on, I'll tell you. 
One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Joining me now, friend of mine from the great, obvious Buck Sexton show and now host of Hold the Line on the first great TV show as well, Buck I have asked Dr. Jesse question here about my go-to gas station snack and drink. Buck Sexton's on the road, 100 miles to drive, little hungry, pulling a gas station. What's Buck Sexton's go-to? So I just have to tell everybody that I, I have actual celiac disease, which means that about 80% of the fun snacks that normal people can eat, I can't. I'm very limited. It's not like I'm some guy who lives in Santa Monica and just hates the gluten. I actually can't have it. So that means I know it's a genetic disorder. It's a, you know, there's something wrong with me, but there is something wrong with me, but uh, it's beef jerky, my man, beef jerky. Cause the thing is there's like lowbrow, like, you know, cheap beef jerky, expensive, fancy Turkey jerky. It's all delicious. You got to go jerky. Are you are you a teriyaki or a pepper jerky guy? I'm not killing you for either choice. I I go teriyaki if I can get it with the gluten free tamari. Uh, I, I I would say I'm a teriyaki okay. guy. I, I like it a lot. I think it's usually going to get it done for me. A little bit of the peppery spice. I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to. I can't lie to your audience, Jesse. I know I know that mm-hmm. your audience is a bunch of patriots who expect people to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. So you know I don't want to be sitting there eating my jerky and saying, "Can I have a glass of whole milk, please?" <laughs> my tongue is burning. Uh, all right, Buck. I got one pose to me. You can eliminate one U.S. politician. And when I say eliminate, I don't mean kill or anything like that. You just snap your finger and they disappear from the earth. Who's the one person you don't want around anymore? Republican, Democrat, who is it? And again, I'm not talking violence, anybody. Um, I think if, if I could send one person to a beautiful island where they could write their memoirs and live out their days in happiness, health and security, but never freaking bother any of us ever again with their political beliefs. Um, you know, it, it might be Ben Sass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> you know, it's I, so I, funny. He was on my short list, too. Explain what your problem is with Ben Sass. It's like, it's like either be on our team or be on their team. Or pretend to be on our team, but everyone know you're on their team. But don't do this like I'm on no team. I'm only on my team thing. It just it just drives me. I'm like, what are you doing there? Like, what, what's the point? 
know, give, giving, giving lectures about Reagan-esque conservatism or something at a time when your party is, is in, you know, there's, there's a real fear of basically the party becoming uh, irrelevant because of things like amnesty. And so, you know, it's, it's like get in the fight or don't. Don't be the guy in the bar fight who's not taking swings at you, not throwing swings for you, but you're standing on the bar bar behind everyone like, excuse me, sir. We should all be better gentlemen here. We should all be gentlemanly. Like, that doesn't help anybody. Uh, Buck, uh, this GameStop hedge fund thing, I, I mean, we've already talked about it on the show. I I think I love it. I, 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 love, I love it, it too. I think it's a great revealing moment for how rigged everything is. That's why I love it so much. You have Facebook stepping in now, eliminating any criticism of Robin Hood. Google deleted, automatically deleted negative comments about the Robin Hood app. I love that everybody's seeing just how rigged the whole thing is. Follow the money, folks. Where does where does the money for all of these so-called grassroots organizations, Jesse, that are pushing climate change as an existential threat. Where does that all come from? Where is the money for organizations whose only reason to exist is to get people like you and me, not because we don't have audiences, because we got, you know, we got armies of listeners that love us, but try to get us kicked off air out of our profession. Go down the list, right? Who funds these, these candidates like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Where does all this come from? Hedge funds are a huge source of money in all different, not just direct donations to politicians, but, but money for all left-wing causes. You know, for, for anybody who wants to know, George Soros. George Soros is a really just a, a ruthless financial speculator. Not quite necessarily a hedge fund in the traditional sense, but he's the guy who... If your if your country's currency was under pressure, he's like, let's go in there and take all of the money from everybody, so I can have another three billion. You know, like that's George <laughs> Soros. And when people understand that the money that's involved in all this funds so much of the politics and the culture and the rest of the left, you understand how they're coming down to protect it like this, Jesse. That's why the whole system is mobilizing right now. The the establishment is mo- mobilizing. And, and I've been telling people this. Look, I come from a Wall Street family, actually. My dad was like an old school stockbroker. You've seen the movie Wall Street with Charlie Sheen. Like, that's basically what my dad did for a living. He was one of those guys. That's I've awesome. got two brothers who work in finance. And this is like what's happening with GameStop is it's as if you're at the casino and all of a sudden you're about to just you're about to just take the other guy's pot in the middle of the table at a poker game. And the pit boss walks over, the casino boss walks over and goes, I'm going to take two of your aces and give it to the other guy because I said so. Now let's see who wins this game. That's exactly what just happened with tens of billions of dollars at stake in the stock market to protect the hedge funds at the expense of dudes like you and me. Buck, I need you to explain because I get confused sometimes. How could a a millionaire hedge fund guy, people just in general, I know that's just a stereotype, but people think of that guy as being a Republican. How could a millionaire, you know, drives a Mercedes with his million dollar loft in D.C.? How can that guy support the communists? What is he? What? How did that happen? Oh, Jesse, this is so important for everybody to know. I mean, I think one of the most useful lies that the Democrat Party clings to. I mean, one is that, you know, Nancy Pelosi cares about poor people or minorities. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, another useful lie is 
that uh, is, is that the, the Democrats that we see here, uh, or rather the, these hedge funders, um, are somehow on the right when they're more than anything else. They want status. They want comfort. They want access. Who controls the establishment right now? It's Democrats. It's the left. If you want to be invited to the fanciest parties, like if you want to be, you know, at the vanity when, when you know when the pandemic's not happening, the Vanity Fair soiree surrounded with celebrities and the movers and shakers and everything. Are you a right-wing donor or a left-wing donor? Ah, hedge funders are all about opportunism, and they're all about themselves in general. I mean, I have some friends who work at hedge funds, but, you know, I make fun of them too. Uh, And it's from a pure personal gratification, virtue signaling, and just general societal status perspective, Jesse, if you're worth, I mean, you know, your listeners should all should all just ask this question: If you're worth a hundred million dollars, which some of these guys are worth a lot more than that, they're actually worth worth billions. But if you're worth a hundred million dollars, would you rather, you know, live in Malibu in a mansion and get invited to swanky Hollywood parties and have, you know, Obama and Hillary and these people coming to your house for fundraisers? Or do you want to be somebody who supports conservatives, is constantly called a racist, and gets, like, death threats, you know, for, for your family members yeah. just because you think that maybe the Constitution still matters? It's an easy choice for a lot of people, Jesse. Yeah. And that's, but the Democrats continue to lie about this because they don't want everyone to figure out that big business, big money, and big government love each other. Yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's just an easier, better life to be part of the system. Buck Sexton, appreciate you very much, my man. Thanks, man. How was my Soros accent, by the way? Close enough? Was it close? Did it, you know? It was. It was not good. I'm not going to lie, buddy. It, 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 it was not good. <laughs> See you soon, my man. See you, brother. He's he's so right. And we, look, we've talked about it a thousand times. It's just easier to be part of the system. It's why this fight is so hard, and it's why it'll take so long. It's hard to get people to break away from that. It's not easy to show up and have death threats in your email inbox. I mean, don't get me wrong. It doesn't bother me, but it really bothers people. I laugh at them. It bothers people, though. All right. Communism versus women's flats. The debate of our time. That and more. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
Chris, give me the White House press secretary, please. I don't stand for anything. I don't care about anything. I accept my own personal ambition. Uh, and if I have to embrace someone who just incited an, erection, an insurrection against the Capitol, uh, that resulted in... <laughs> That's not what I asked for, Chris. You're immature. We don't accept that kind of immaturity on this show. Ever. <laughs> All right, now can we have the White House press secretary, please? received a lot of attention was um, based on uh, kind of an area that was more rural in Wisconsin. It was not, uh, and I think what Dr. Walensky has said is that, and I think she said this on CNN last night, is that for areas where they are more populated, where schools where there is a lot more foot traffic, um, that there are going to need to be a lot of steps uh, put in place in order to make the schools reopening safe. But we are committed to doing that. That's why the president signed an executive order uh, last week. Oh man, they are so lost. I'm re- this is a it's it's a part of it I'm really enjoying of the Biden presidency. They have no idea what they're doing and it's obvious. Especially with the coronavirus stuff and this is look, this is where they got themselves into a pickle. And don't get me wrong, it worked out great for them. They have all the power now and everything worked fine. But you hammered the panic for so long. We can't open schools. You have to wear your mask. You have to wear two masks, 80 masks. Grandma's going to die. Everyone's going to die. Ah, Donald Trump's killing people. Your kids are dead. Well, now you get elected, and now people are asking for your plan. What's uh, What you going to do, Joe? I mean, you said you could handle it. You said Donald Trump is responsible. All these people are dying and stuff. Well, a bunch of people are still dying. The schools still aren't open. You said you would, you said you would fix it. What what you gonna do? And they now, you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube of telling people, okay, coronavirus is serious, but it's not ending the world. The kids are at virtually no risk whatsoever. We know how to treat it. Let's just keep functioning as a society. We'll treat it as we go. You've hammered the panic for so long. You can't just step up now and say, sorry. It's actually okay. Everyone go back to work and go back to school. So you have to kind of slow roll it in. But people are furious. (laughs) People are furious at Joe Biden. And uh, look, that's what you got now. All right. On to the important stuff. Dear Dr. Jesse, glorious shogun of sombreros. You can completely eradicate one of the following from existence forever simply by choosing it. However, the one not chosen becomes 100% universal worldwide. Communism in all its forms or women wearing flats? Hmm. You know, you would think I would choose communism. But I think I would rather die than have every woman in the world wearing flats. What, Chris? What? I understand styles change. I I get that. There's never been a style that makes that look flattering at all. It looks terrible 100% of the time. And this is the hilarious thing about flats. Because it's such a women-run society now, such a female-run society now, 
women have encouraged other people to accept this as being acceptable. They, they, they've normalized flats just because they like to wear them. They are the ugliest, least flattering thing I've ever seen in my entire. It is the equivalent of me wearing sweatpants around. Of me wearing, it is. It's the equivalent of me wearing a wife beater to work. That's what it's like. It's it. It looks that bad. I cannot tell you. I can't emphasize this enough. It looks that bad. But because women enjoy wearing them, they're obviously so much more comfortable than anything else. They've now convinced the world that it's acceptable to wear. And they encourage each other. Oh, those are so cute. Oh, I know. I love those. Those are so cute on you. It's so Are we cute together? And dudes now are so feminized and scared. They just are. That's, that's the American male now. They're so feminized and scared of getting yelled at by a woman or yelled at by their wives or, or catching some female heat. That they won't step up and say the thing I've been screaming from the rooftops. These are ugly. They're the least flattering thing ever. They should be banished from the public. And it drives, it actually drives me crazy. I'm serious about it. It drives me crazy. Not that it's the the shoe that drives me nuts. That dudes are so weak now. They don't have the guts to just say, honey, anything else but those. And and when I say anything else, I'm not saying you got to walk around in stilettos all day. Tennis shoes look great on a woman. Tennis shoes, boots, cowboy boots, whatever. Any other choice except those ballet flats. They look so bad. And it really genuinely bothers me that men aren't man enough to just tell their woman that. And they've been not man enough for so long, now it's just accepted. Now it's just now just society has been like, oh, these are okay. They're not okay. They're not in any way okay. See, uh, subject, question for Dr. Jesse. Oh, Chris tells me I'm out of time. Dang it, this is a good question too. Oh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> See, Chris? I should have done infomercials. I'd be great at it. We'll continue with Ask Dr. Jesse here. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I get into my Ask Dr. Jesse questions, I just I just have to be clear about something. 
You cannot win. We will not defeat the communists by only saying no, playing defense, and letting them set the narrative. There's a new GOP freshman congresswoman. Obviously, they're digging everything up on her. I'm not going to go into it at all. And I don't care that the left is going after her. That's what they do. What stuns me is watching virtually every politician and pundit on the right jump in right away and start talking about what the left is talking about. Stop letting the left set the narrative. Never talk about what they want you to talk about. Because what they want you to talk about is made to destroy you. That's all they want. And when you understand that, you will never, ever talk about what they're talking about again. Ever. Ever. I can't believe I'm the idiot that has to explain that to these people. And we lack a spine. All right, I'm calm down. I'm calm down. We have an Ask Dr. Jesse question about bailing your buddy out of jail. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. The argument against Joe Biden's new plan and the argument against sweeping climate change plans over the years has been jobs, that you're going to cost millions of jobs in oil and gas and you're going to cripple entire states. Um, but one of the points you make in the book and one of we, one we've heard from some uh, congressmen, even senators in, in Midwestern states is why can't we be the place that turns into clean energy jobs that makes, you know, cell fuel batteries and, and um, you know, solar panels and all the things that look to the future of energy. How do you make that transition to those kind of jobs and how do you make that argument to people who are rightly scared that their livelihood is at stake? Yeah, thanks, uh, Willie. It's a great question. Um, and, you know, we saw that again in Joe Biden's plan yesterday. One of the things that I like so much about the way he framed this is this is about jobs. It's about climate change, but it's about the opportunity that comes with acting on the climate crisis. Uh, the green energy jobs that are going to be available, uh, which, by the way, uh, fossil fuel uh, jobs these days are uh, fairly few because that industry has largely been automated. So there's a lot more opportunity for jobs in clean energy. Um, and that's a big part of this plan, to make those jobs available, to provide resources for that. But what I also like is the idea of hiring a... Uh, sort of civilian climate core, um, which is in the plan, to provide jobs to those people who would otherwise be displaced by this transition. Uh, frontline communities, people in fossil fuel states um, and those communities where they've lost those fossil fuel jobs, we need to make sure those people aren't left behind. And this plan will provide resources to give them jobs. Why not have them help in the cleanup and the restoration that's necessary as we transition into clean energy? And so this, this plan is bold, it's comprehensive, and it gives me optimism. All the communists are the same. 
America's communists are no different than communists have always been. It's an anti-human ideology. Listen to how they talk about somebody's livelihood. Well, he could just be part of a, I mean, they just be part of a climate change commission. Well, just, well, yeah, just, of course, just leave your job that you know and love. We'll hire you for some government job. Why, why can't you do that? That's how these people think. It's anti-human. It's amazing to me. It is amazing to me. And I say that as you know. I mean, you know, I'm a bad, I'm a bad person. I'm a sociopath, a complete narcissist. I only care about myself. But that is evil, man. The way they and they don't know. They can't hear themselves. They can't ever hear themselves. All right. Back to ask Dr. Jesse. Good afternoon, Jesse and Chris. Jesse. You're a young Marine living on base in the 1990s. Your best friend tries to cover for your underage drinking and also missing curfew. Your best friend is busted for the cover-up and is handed a punishment for both your poor judgments, for both your poor judgments and for his cover-up attempt. While you're given no punishment at all for your misdeeds. Your friend is sentenced to three days in the brig and fed just bread and water for the duration of the sentence. Knowing your friend is paying for your mistakes and is very hungry sitting in the brig, do you sneak him some food and risk serious punishment yourself, or do you let him go hungry? Oh, you sneak him some food. If he was man enough to take the brunt of this for himself, you sneak him some food. Absolutely. And, look, what's the worst thing that happens? If you get caught, you get tossed in the brig with him, and you know what? You're now closer than you've ever been. Now you're boys for life. You took the hit for me. I tried to bail you out, sneak you some food. Now we're both in here. You absolutely sneak him some food. One of the things that I've always been fascinated about, we were talking about mafia guys earlier, right? And you know I love this subject, but one thing I've never got about them is the mafia guys are routinely screwed over by what? By other mafia guys turning into federal witnesses and testifying against them. And if you read or watch documentaries on these federal witnesses, because they all write books and they'll do TV interviews later once they get out of witness protection and all that other stuff, almost all of them will talk about one of the main reasons they were so mad was when they were locked up, the mafia didn't help their families. Didn't pay the bills. These guys don't have, you know, huge bank accounts lots of the time. And they'll, I know it's really weird, Chris. They, well, look, they're criminals. They, they spend the money as fast as they make it. But these guys all had families. And they would go to jail. And, you know, you were part of this organization, this gigantic, profitable criminal empire. And you keep your mouth shut and you go to jail on their behalf. And now your wife can't pay bills. Your kids are going hungry. It created so much resentment for them. And I've never understood, I've never understood why these guys were so short-sighted. It's not like I expect them to be good human beings, but why these guys were so short-sighted and wouldn't simply come up with a gigantic money stash to automatically pay the spouse when you go to jail until you get out and you're able to come back. That, you do that, you abandon people 
when they take the rap for you, people never forget that. Never forget. And at the same time, if you're there for somebody when they go to bat for you, they'll never forget that either. When, when you're in a time of crisis, that, that is when you make friends for life or enemies for life. I've told you this story before. Maybe, maybe I didn't actually. But a long time ago when I was uh, running for Congress in Arizona, I was, uh, remember, I'd never run for office before. Nobody knew who I was. I was just ticked off and wanted to run for U.S. Congress. Everyone said I was crazy, which I was crazy. But I run in and I go all in. And when I say all in, I mean, I'm driving all over the district just trying to get my name out there. I'm giving speeches at every Tom, Dick, and Harry event you can possibly imagine. I'm, I'm, I'm at parades. I'm at the, the American Legion. I'm at the, every single Republican club, every, every conservative group. You name it, I'm there standing up, giving speeches, getting my name out there. I'm going all in. And I'm, I'm doing this for months and months and months and months. And because the, the Democrat congresswoman, it was Gabrielle Giffords at the time, because she was thought to be pretty powerful, other Republicans weren't getting in. So I'm there for months, and because I know I don't have any name recognition, I'm trying to get endorsements from politicians, Just not because the endorsement actually matters. Nobody really cares about endorsements, but because it gives you some kind of credibility, right? I'm Jesse Kelly. I've been endorsed by uh, Congressman so-and-so, uh, Senator so-and-so. And there was a state senator there, and his name was Al Melvin. And I don't know what he's doing today. I probably shouldn't name him on national radio. Please don't send him hate mail or something like that. Don't do that. But I'll never forget it. He jumped in because I was the only one early on. I asked for his endorsement. He gave me his endorsement. Woo-hoo. I mean, it helped, right? He was, he was the state senator there, and people knew who he was. Fast forward sometime later, the seat starts to, to look a lot more winnable. And all the Washington, D.C. Republicans – and big, big money Republicans were obviously uncomfortable me, with me because of my illegal immigration stance, which was rigid, to put it mildly. And, you know, they, they didn't know me. They wanted their boy, the guy who did the stuff they loved. So they took this state senator, his name was Jonathan Payton, and they threw him in the race against me. And not only did they throw him against, in the race against me, he starts raising gargantuan amounts of money because he had all these rich, these rich GOP donors backing him. And... Sooner or later, I get a phone call from uh, Al Melvin. Tell me, or actually, one of my campaign guys gets a phone call from this state senator, Al Melvin. Says, hey, uh, take my endorsement for Jesse off the website. And my guy's like, what? Take my endorsement for Jesse off the website. Hang on one sec. I'm not done. a little stocky follow like and subscribe on social at jesse kelly dc i love to eat my super beats every single day and it's just because they taste good <laughs> i'll be honest the, the the look the health benefits they're real in all seriousness the health benefits are outstanding i like those i i have to keep my blood pressure down high blood pressure runs in my family i have to take care of my heart 
Heart problems run in my family, so I'm glad Super Beats are so effective at taking care of that stuff for me. But really, I just enjoy eating them. I have two every single day with dinner time. I've held myself back before from eating more. My favorite flavor is pomegranate berry. They have a new flavor out now that I also love. It's called Super Grapes. And look, I got a deal for you. If you go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse, you get a free 30-day supply of the normal Super Beats heart shoes and a 30-day supply of their new flavor, Super Grapes. Go now. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. State Senator Al Melvin calls and takes away his endorsement when we just had a fresh opponent get in, hugely funded. Things are down. My staff is in full-blown panic mode. Calls and yanks it. I'll never forget it. I'll never, ever, ever forget it. Why? He's some state senator. I don't know him. I haven't talked to him in forever. Why does it mean so much to me? Like, I'll be honest. Talking about it right now has me angry again. Why? Ran out when the chips were down. Who you are when the chips are down is who you are. Period. All right. This is an Ask Dr. Jesse email. It's long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's about Mitch McConnell. What do I feel about Mitch McConnell? Here's what I feel about Mitch McConnell. I don't hate him like other people hate him. Here's why. He's the head of the GOP Senate. Obviously, you know how I'm constantly trying to beat up the GOP to fight harder, be more to the right, be the opposite of the Democrats, not just a little less Democrat. I'm constantly hammering at that, that time and time and time again. But I do realize the head of the GOP in the Senate is simply never, ever, 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 ever going to be some rock-ribbed conservative far-right guy like I am. Is It's not going to be. Mitch McConnell could be a lot worse. I mean, those judges that, that Trump that Trump got through, that was Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell knows how to play the game. He plays it very, very well. I am not sitting here telling you he's the savior of the GOP. He's not. For a Senate GOP leader, we could do a lot worse than Mitch McConnell. Those judges are going to save our bacon a lot in the future. You don't see them yet. You know, I mean, what do you know about judges? What do I know about judges? Uh, some, uh, the, the 20th District Court, and uh, the, you don't know what that stuff is. I don't know what that stuff is. I don't know where it is. I don't know. But I do know this. Every single time you see some judge pop up and kneecap one of uh, Biden's horrible things he's going to try to do, it's a good chance it was one of those judges. That matters, man. It matters a lot. And, and this guy brought it up in the email to his credit. I've told you this story before. Mitch McConnell is the reason you have Brett Kavanaugh. And when I say that, what I'm saying is Jeff Flake. I had to get permission to relay this story. I'd known this story forever. 
and I, and I you know I don't I, I don't share information. I don't share people's secrets. I don't share private information. I don't share your death threats. Your death threats. I, I don't share them. Period. I won't share your name. It's just I private is private. It's just what what I've always believed. So I had to get permission to tell the story, and I finally got permission to tell it. Jeff Flake, remember, it was down to one vote with Kavanaugh. We had lost Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake was going to vote against Kavanaugh and let the left stomp us. You know why you have Brett Kavanaugh on there? Because Jeff Flake was getting ready to leave the Senate because he couldn't win a primary anymore because he's a useless loser. Jeff Flake was about to sign a a big uh, contributor job, I think with CBS. I may have that wrong. Don't quote me on that. Mitch McConnell Flat out threatened Jeff Flake in a closed-door meeting with all the senators there and said, I will ruin whatever post-Senate career you want, and I have the power to do so if you chicken out on us now. That's a true story. I understand he's going to do a million things you hate. He's going to do a million things I hate. You know I'm not the one who defends the GOP establishment. But the dude has notches on his belt, man. He has Democrat scalps on his belt. He's gotten some wins for us. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I know, Chris. I know I'm not comfortable either. I get it. Dude, I get it. I understand Kavanaugh wasn't the best win in the world. What I'm saying is it, it wasn't about Kavanaugh. It was about uniting and showing the left when they try to character assassinate somebody like they did. And that horrible thing everyone remembers, showing them it won't work. And it almost worked. That's why Kavanaugh mattered so much. It's not because of Kavanaugh himself. It was right there. Without Mitch McConnell, that doesn't happen. Without Mitch McConnell doing more than voting. Mitch McConnell going the extra mile. All right. Now, I asked for your voicemails. We we got some. I did want to play you this one. I, I this is this is, yeah. I did want to play you this one. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, I'm Joseph. I'd like you to play the videotape of the cop uh, beating up the paramedic or threatening the paramedic. And where can I get a copy of it? Thank you. I almost didn't play it because, dude, I hate it. I, I I'll be honest. As you know, I'm not Michael Malice, who can't he can't stand cops. I love cops. I have a bunch of friends who are cops. Like I said, I, I, I have a great deal of admiration for them. They wade through society's crap, and they're hated for it every day. They risk their lives every day. I, I, I just, I'm pro-cop. I'm sorry. I am. I understand exactly what Malice is saying, and he's not wrong when he says they'll be the ones enforcing all the communist rules later on. He's not wrong. I get that. But I don't like bagging on him. But this cop from Waco, what he did to this 60-year-old man buying a bottle of water by himself in a gas station in Waco, Texas, this is not acceptable. Where's your mask at? What mask? The mask that you're required to wear by city ordinance. You need to step outside until you can get one. City ordinance, sir. Do not see the sign? Leave the property or you get a citation, period. Don't argue with me. It's real simple. I don't care what the governor order is. It is a city oh, ordinance to step Can outside. Just take the mask off? Dispatch, start me another unit. I'm going to have to detain one. Put your hands right here. No. I will tase you right now. You are in violation, and I gave you a lawful order. You have a weapon. Put your hands up now. Dispatch, he's armed. Have the unit step it up. I've got him at taser point. Get your hand up now. Dude, 
dude, you're just dumb. You should be listening. Don't move. You move again, I'm going to drop you. Dispatch, I've got him disarmed. Still uncooperative. That is so unacceptable. That's so for a dude by himself in a gas station buying a bottle of water. And I almost didn't play it again because, because I am so pro-cop. But fella, just like I said the other day, law enforcement, sheriffs, cops, I know, I, I know a bunch of you listen. You had better keep those guys. I know you know a guy like that on your force. You had better get him under control. Because the way this country has gone, especially with all that Antifa, Black Lives Matter crap, and the entire system dumping on you, the truth is this. You don't have many friends left. You don't. You have the right. That's all you have left. If you lose the right with stuff like that, with the coronavirus stuff, you're out of friends, man. You are out of friends. And that's the truth. All right. Shogun. Of the giant magical sombrero. I learned last night, well, this morning, that my wife uses your show to fall asleep to when she stays up late. (laughs) I recognize that you are 6'8 and have a magnificent beard and a clear, booming voice with which you prognosticate accurately. Still not sure how I feel about this. You'd have to come to terms somehow. (laughs) Anyway... What is with Adam Kinzinger? I'm going to say his name appropriately and not how you chose to spell it in the email because this is a family show. Let's just say he did not call him Kinzinger. He's on Twitter so much daily it makes me wonder if he has time in Congress. He hated Trump and loves Liz Cheney. What's this guy's deal? Uh, Look, there are these, these, these people who are in Congress, these hardcore Rhino Republicans, the Liz Cheney types, the Adam Kinzinger types. (sighs) Let me explain their mentality. It's different than yours and mine. And I despise it. I do. But it's very different than yours and mine. Also, the Wall Street thing. We have to talk about that. And we have an animal fight. It's time to do an animal fight. It's on now. Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
for the first time, we have what I'm told is the first video, uh, exclusive video out of this meeting today uh, between McCarthy and Trump. Uh, we'll watch it and react on the other side. I love you. You complete me. And I just had... Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. That is, uh, obviously, we have rolled the wrong clip, and we were, we were sold a bill of goods here. I thought this was going to be of the... Uh, McCarthy and Trump meeting, and someone's going to be, of course, in big trouble. <laughs> it's it's never going to stop me. Funny to me how how seriously these people take themselves. It's okay to laugh, bro. Whatever producer in the back threw that clip in there. Well done, well done, hilarious. All right, so Kinsinger and Cheney and these types. They don't know that they're the bad guys. They don't realize, they, they really, they come from an era, they come from an era where it was the golden era for Democrats, where Republicans would lose every single match. Even when Republicans were president, they would constantly be advancing big government leftist things. They would lose everything, every single match, but they would do so politely. And they would go home and they go back to their districts and home to their families and things like that. And they would brag about that. You know, the Democrats, they called me every name in the book. They've been protesting in front of my office. We don't fight like that, though. We fight the right way. They're all, it's always those people. And along comes the Trump movement. Not just Trump himself, but the Trump movement. Because the GOP, remember, Trump didn't cause that. It's just that the GOP base is so mad and so sick of that weakness, they wanted a battle axe. And what it did was it revealed these guys to be who they are. And for them, it, it made them feel weak and stupid. And so what they do is they lash out and talk about how this isn't the right way. We shouldn't be doing things the right way when in reality... Adam Kinsinger looks at himself in the mirror and he knows he's a chump. He knows he's a sucker. He knows he's been a sucker. And since he can't change who he is now, he lashes out at the people who make him feel like a sucker. You know, you, you always end up hating the guy who tells you the truth. I mean, most people do. If you lack maturity, that's what you do. You hate the guy who tells you the truth. It's true. Dear Dr. Shogun Kelly, the Oracle, Lord of the Samurai, King of the Sombrero, Slayer of Bigfoot. What, Chris? I know it's late in the week, but my boys love listening to your show. And my oldest, 10, has been begging me to send in and ask Dr. Kelly question. It's Dr. Jesse, please. Get it right, sir. Anyway, I'm just kidding. He would like to know in his animal fight to the death who would prevail. Two saltwater crocs versus a mother hippo protecting her calf. Do the crocs get the calf or does the mama stomp those crocs into the mud? Love the show. Glad to have something entertaining and interesting to listen daily to with my boys. Keep up the good work, you handsome devil. You may use my first name. His first name is Bo. Oh, a hippo wins that fight. 
And here's why Hippo wins that fight. Obviously, a saltwater crocodile is no joke. However, it's not the stomping. Have you seen hippo teeth and their jaws? They can crush watermelon. They have uh, videos of this. Yes, it is that bad, Chris. You can't crush a watermelon. And that shows how much power they have in the jaws. The hippos kill people all the time. I think they kill as many people as crocs or almost as many. It's close. They kill more, Chris. It's, it's way up there. It's way up there. But here's how that thing goes. Two saltwater crocs close in on Mama Hippo. She's going to kill one really quickly. They're not going to get her. She's going to get her jaws around one and kill or incapacitate it really, really quickly. Well, I know what you're saying. Well, the other one's just going to grab the baby. A baby hippo ain't that small. Yeah, he's going to grab the baby and the baby's going to be in trouble. But hippos have big, thick hides. And remember, a crocodile does not kill you by biting you to death. A crocodile kills you by drowning you. Grabbing a hippo and dragging it underwater ain't going to do you that much good because a baby hippo is going to be sitting there holding its breath, as hippos do. The crocodile can't kill the baby hippo faster than the mom can get there and kill him. That's why the hippo wins that fight. Hippos are actually a great example of my theory on animals, though, Chris. People, especially women, my wife's terrible about this, they love animals that are cute, even the deadly ones. I mean, you tell people that hippos kill all these people, and people who don't know it, they'll either argue with you or they'll be shocked about, I don't understand, he's got these big chubby cheeks. What do you mean they look so cute? Like I said, You always root for the lion. You never root for the hyena. Why? Why? Because a sad fact of life is beauty matters. A lion is a beautiful creature. You look at it and you're like, dang, that's a good looking animal. You look at a hyena and it looks like God just threw some leftovers together and just chucked it out there. That hideous sound it makes you know it sounds like a feminist when they laugh the ugly hair the ugly face the the droopy backside it's just an ugly looking animal so you have decided that the lion is somehow the good guy they're both just animals hyenas have these excellent these outstanding family cultures in their little prides if that's what they call i don't think they call them prides but whatever when they group up chris there's no difference at none But you like a lion, and you don't like a hyena. A hippo is a great example of this. That is a vicious, territorial, deadly animal that kills people all the time. And you love hippos. You love them. It's the way we are. I'm not done yet, Chris. I'm churning and burning today, baby. Dear Sombrero Oracle Shogun. And remember, 877-377-4373 is the number Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'm getting to your questions. I still have a stack. I, I'd still chop away at last week's and the weeks before. So you are not forgotten if you've already emailed in. Or maybe I chucked it in the trash. I get a lot of them now. I'm, I'm, I'm reading them all and just trying to comb through as many as I can, all right? And you can find me on social media at jessekellydc on Twitter and Facebook. Follow the show's Twitter if you want uh, more visual stuff for what we talk about, at Jesse Kelly Show. If we play a video, we'll put it on the show Twitter. 
If we, like the other day, we had a map when we were talking about the Mongols and fighting Japan. We put that on the show Twitter. At Chris said he already put that cop clip you want to see for, uh, I think his name was Joseph who called in. Go to Twitter, at Jesse Kelly Show. It's right there. We put the cop video up there for you to see. Dear Sombrero Oracle Shogun, I've been struggling with something lately. I am a 20%-ish Italian, and the phrase WAP has never offended me. But I'm not noticeable Italian. Look, he basically wants to know, should he be offended by these racial slurs and stuff like that? Look, I don't think he should be offended by anything, especially as a dude. The truth is, almost every Italian buddy I have calls his other buddies that because it's insulting. It's that, it's that great. There's an online picture of it somewhere of the difference between men and women when it comes to insults and stuff. I'll describe it in detail here in a second, and then I'll get to some more your Ask Dr. Jesse questions as we wrap up here. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We are almost done with the week here, and I realize we've been screwing off a lot today. So I thought, I thought we'd get serious here at the end. Chris, please play it. Oh my God! Hey, how you oh doing? Oh my God, Murphy! How you doing? Such a. <laughs> you're having you fun are... with your family. In the meantime, you're having all kind of other bullshit. <laughs> A little too drunk? No, no, I'm not drunk, as a matter of fact. Well, can you put your mask on? Please? You can go f*** yourself. How's that? Well, I don't need a f- mask on. You know why I don't need a mask? Because there ain't nothing like f- wrong with me. I like your Trump phone. You're f- right. Guess you who Trump likes? He likes my dad. Yeah, yeah, he do- no, he doesn't like your oh, phone. He, f- he does. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? You Come on. Stop being funny. What's amazing? This is the best part of this. I'm never going to stop playing that clip. And it'll be so, it's already so far out of the news cycle 
the people like 10 years from now, I'm still going to be playing that clip and I'm going to give no context to it whatsoever. And only the longtime listeners of the show will get it. And they'll all be laughing with me. And we keep picking up all these new stations. We keep picking up all these new stations. It's nationwide now. And these people don't know. They don't know. And we're still just going to keep playing it over and over and over again. And it's the most New Jersey thing I've ever heard in my life. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Shogun Sombrero Warrior Poet. What, Chris? Don't, Don't insult our people, Chris. I know you've been saying these Reddit dudes take down Wall Street hedge f- I know you've been seeing these Reddit dudes take down Wall Street hedge funds. Now the system is changing the rules, which it will always do. What lessons can we learn from this? How do we apply this to other areas of our nation's culture battles? The, the most, one of the most important lessons you can learn from this is this. Dude, we have the power. The people really do have the power if they care enough to take action. And there are so many more ways now. So, so there's just so many ways to unite people and to gather with people because of the online world. I mean, this stuff happened on an internet forum. It was just some dudes on an internet forum. Now, you would have, if I did, if I told you that 10 years ago, you would have laughed at me. There's huge power in that now. Huge power in that now. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm blessed, very blessed, and undeserving to have a national radio show and a TV show. But if I didn't, let's say I didn't have either of those. And a couple years ago, I didn't. I was selling RVs. What if I didn't have either of those? I have like 230,000 people who follow me on Twitter. Now, you can say it's just Twitter. Dude, that's powerful. You could, you could, put, I have, I have United States senators now who text me, congressmen. I, I, I got things from the White House when Trump was in there. Trump read my, reads, well, I, I don't know if he still does, read my Twitter timeline. That's powerful. Is it deserved? Absolutely not. But it's still, there's power in that. We have the ability, because of the online world, If you can get people to care enough about something, you have the ability to shock the system. This Wall Street thing is shocking the system. They are in panic mode. They don't know what to do. I mean, when you have Facebook stepping up and deleting things, Google's deleting bad reviews, they are are locking shields. They're battening down the hatches. They're scared to death about this and what this means. That's good. Even if it's just for one day, for just one day, you made the system afraid. That is good. The system should be afraid. And not only did you make them afraid, now you realize you can make them afraid. Now you know. Dr. Jesse, Ph.D., It seems to me that Nancy Pelosi and Jen Psaki have more balls than half the men in the Republican Party combined these days. In order to prevent the election of future soy boys to critical elected positions that will need to take the fight to the commies, I am proposing that we require all male candidates to subject themselves to a testosterone test. (laughs) If they do not meet a minimum threshold value, they cannot run the party. What say you? And then he says, no, seriously, I think this is a huge problem. Well, one, it is a huge problem. Two, here's the thing. 
the alpha males out there, the guys you want running stuff for you, they don't do politics. They're in factories. They run a business. They start a family. Politics is for the losers, for the most part, for the losers who couldn't achieve any of that, but want the status that comes with it anyway. So what you get, and we lose sight of this, and I lose sight of it too, and I'm screaming at these guys to buck up, let's go, get a spine. We lose sight of the fact, and I'm actually, for once, I'm not trying to be mean. So many of these guys are lifelong losers. These are, these are not These are not the winners of society. So many of them are lifelong losers. You're asking people to lead who aren't leaders. They can raise enough money to a campaign ad. The dude's probably handsome enough. The girl's probably pretty enough, speaks well enough. They get elected to office. That don't make a leader, man. And it don't give you guts. We elect lifetime losers and expect them to become winners, and that's not how it works at all. Hang on. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Jewish producer Chris just asked me, could I ever date a woman who's taller than me? I'm six foot eight. Are there women taller than me? There can't be many of them, right? I'm dead serious. How many women in the world, I'd be fascinated, how many women in the world are taller than me? Five? I, I don't know. I mean, is there a society out there that, that, that has these gigantic Amazon women? I don't know. I don't think I could, though. I mean, I don't think, I don't know. Is that weird? Chris, you're like six feet, so you're. T- it's not going to be a problem for you either, but I don't think I could do it. Could you do it? You could? I guess it would depend on how well she cooks. Quit. We can make jokes. Quit. I don't... I don't know. I don't want to rule stuff out, but... It'd feel kind of emasculating, right? Let's be honest. It would feel kind of emasculating. Look, either way, I'm glad we tackled this in all the other tough issues today on the show. The hippo versus croc fight. Critical. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend. That's all.
The Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit labradorenergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit labradorenergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane. And he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.